Hey there, friends. Welcome to the Musculoskeletal Minute, presented by Basics of Ortho, where it's just the basics. We aim to boost your musculoskeletal knowledge and build your confidence in caring for common orthopedic conditions. I'm your host, Jason Coggins. And welcome back to another episode of the Musculoskeletal Minute. This is episode number seven. Uh, we're going to talk about the meniscus today, or the menisci, which is plural, uh, both the medial and lateral menisci. And this is going to be a fun topic. It's a topic that uh, we're all going to have dealings with. Uh, I say all, but uh, you know, if you're in you know, ENT, you probably won't have a, a dealing with a meniscus tear. But if you're in primary care, uh, orthopedics, urgent care, ER, primary care, um, I think I've already said that, but oh well, uh, you're going to have someone come in complaining of knee pain that's going to have a meniscus tear. So let's dive right in and talk about the anatomy a little bit. So the menisci, what are they? Where are they? Well, there are these two little fibrocartilaginous discs that are more or less shaped like C's. And they face each other sitting in the knee joint. One's on the medial side, one's on the lateral side. Uh, the lateral meniscus actually is closer to a, a closed C, but uh, a C nonetheless. And they act to increase the depth of the, the tibia articulation. So the femur sits into it. It acts almost like a suction cup. Younger folks, uh, it tends to be more of a traumatic injury, um, a fall or an athletic injury. Uh, it frequently happens with a, a planted foot and a twist or torque at the knee. And um, when it happens, you know it, uh, and I know this from personal experience. Uh, in my case, it, it wasn't necessarily a pop or a snap. It felt more like a, a crunch or a grind. Um, and I did have a displaced tear, so it uh, dislodged and got into the joint and caused my knee to lock up, which, by the way, true locking is where exactly that happens. Something gets into the joint and prevents it from extending. It's not... Uh, Locking up isn't not being able to flex it because it hurts. It's where the knee is flexed and you can't fully extend it because something's in the joint. But uh, so getting a little off topic there, but yeah, an injury happens in a younger person, typically uh, from a trauma or an athletic event. As we age and our tissues lose some of their water, uh, that meniscus, just like everything else, uh, becomes a little bit more friable. And it doesn't take quite as much. And little by little, with each step over time, uh, that meniscus breaks down a little bit and a little bit more and a little bit more. And then one day, uh, there is the proverbial straw that breaks the camel's back. And it doesn't have to be anything very dramatic. It can be simply walking downstairs, stepping off of a curb, um, you know, getting down off of the bus, whatever. Um, and the person may not feel it happen. They don't necessarily feel that crunch or snap or pop uh, that I was mentioning earlier that I felt. But they just know from that certain moment in time that their knee has been bothering them. And when you question these folks, it's usually on you know one side or the other of the knee, depending on which meniscus it is. It typically um, hurts with weight bearing, you know, maybe some throbbing at night and that kind of thing. And it more frequently is along the medial side of the knee. A couple of reasons for that. One is more of our weight is transmitted through the medial column of our knee, uh, approximately 60% compared to 40% on the lateral side. And the other reason is our medial meniscus is actually attached 
to our MCL in the capsule of the knee. So when we're moving, when we're planning and twisting and turning, that meniscus uh, stays more stationary. So it, it takes more of that force, that torque, uh, and tears a little bit easier. Whereas the lateral meniscus is not attached to the capsule, and it can move a bit more freely. So it's got some give to it. So that's uh, the reason why the uh, medial meniscus is more frequently injured. So we've hit the anatomy, the function, injury, and uh, our, our mechanism of injuries. A patient that has a meniscus tear. So when they come to your office, what are they going to complain about? Of course, they're going to complain about knee pain. But the first thing you want to find out is, you know, in addition to their age, that can give you a clue. Um, you know, as I mentioned before, younger folks is typically more traumatic. Older folks is more degenerative. And I put myself in the older category being over 40. Um, but uh, so you want to know, you know their age, whether or not there was a trauma or precipitating event. Um, did they have any mechanical symptoms at the moment that it happened? Or have they had any recurring mechanical symptoms? Did they get any locking? Um, and they may or may not complain of these things, depending on the location of the tear and the severity of the tear, you know, whether or not it's a uh, stable or an unstable tear. You know, stable tears, if you will, just a, a line in the meniscus, you know, a tear, but it's not in such a configuration that it causes a, a piece of the meniscus to, to move from where its home is, if you will. But... Uh, if it's acute, uh, the person may have a fair amount of difficulty with weight bearing. If it's not acute, if it's more of a chronic degenerative tear, then they may not have trouble walking. They just may know that it hurts. Um, but one, uh, one key or you know, one little tidbit that a lot of people will tell you, and it should clue you in quite a bit, is you know, if their knee twists just a little bit, then that's when it really hurts. So, you know, if the person is going around the corner of a door and their toe catches the door or their toe catches a chair and it just uh, quickly twists that knee, uh, they say that's what sits, uh, sets it off. They may complain of some swelling or a tight feeling in the knee. No, that's not uncommon either. So those are our frequent uh, historical questions to ask and what uh, the patient may experience or explain. Um, and that leads us into our exam. So with the exam, there's, uh, there's two or three key things that you need to look for. The first, and in my opinion personally, the most important, is joint line tenderness. That's going to be the most specific thing. And you know, it's right in that joint line. Again, typically medial, but if the injury is lateral, it could be lateral joint line. Range of motion-wise... If the tear is posteriorly, then deep flexion uh, typically will cause uh, quite a bit of discomfort, uh, depending on the, the acuity of the injury. Um, and then moving into our special tests, uh, we've really got a couple of those. Uh, the most widely known and performed is McMurray's. And there's a brief description of that. It's where the patient's supine on the table and the knee is fully flexed and then there's a internal and external rotation of uh, the tibia the um, the uh, one hand is using the hind foot as kind of a handle to do the twisting and the other hand 
uh, with its index and thumb, index finger and thumb are placed in the joint lines and you're actually trying to palpate whether or not you feel anything pop or snap when you're performing that maneuver. So positive finding, a true positive, is if there's pain and mechanical symptoms. Honestly, I could probably count on one hand in almost 15 years as a PA and yeah, as an athletic trainer for uh, a few years before that, that I actually felt a, a mechanical pop uh, when I performed McMurray's. Uh, so the, the more frequent indicator is significant pain with McMurray's. And the next test is Apley's compression and distraction. When I teach the students, I tell them it's actually two tests. Uh, it's a it's a provocative test and then a confirmatory test. So the compression part of the uh, Apley's is where the patient is prone on a table, the knee is flexed to 90 degrees, and then again using that hind foot as a handle, you press downward into the table and you internally and externally rotate the tibia. And you're trying to elicit pain or uh, other symptoms. If that is positive, then you move on to the next phase of the test, which is the distraction test, where you grab the ankle, you lift up, distracting that tibia, and at the same time with the other hand, holding the back of the thigh so you're not pulling the uh, upper leg off or thigh off the table. And you rotate uh, internally and externally uh, the tibia as well doing that, and you look to see if they're symptoms do not present with that. If they present with the compression and are relieved with distraction, then that's uh, a positive apples and compression and distraction. So those are our main indicators or things that we're looking for on exam that would uh, peak our suspicion for meniscus tear. So now that we've done our exam we're going to move into our imaging studies. Uh, of course, you're not going to see soft tissues on an x-ray, but x-rays are important, particularly when you start getting a patient in their mid-30s uh, and on. And the reason for that is because you're going to be looking for any joint space narrowing or arthritic changes. And the importance of that is more so in determining what the appropriate next step or treatment is going to be. Um, I honestly can't remember the, the authors of the study, but it was a meta-analysis done um, a few years back that looked at a lot of literature. And the conclusion in one or two sentences was basically, if there was a meniscus tear and there was x-ray evidence of, a, uh, of arthritis, meaning mainly joint space narrowing, then treating the meniscus tear with arthroscopy um, on average would give about three months of relief in the event that it gave any relief. So uh, again, that joint space narrowing is the key on the x-ray. So the confirmatory test for a meniscus tear, as we all know, is MRI. Um, so we get the MRI and we see the patient back. We're trying to figure out what to do. So I mentioned about the joint space narrowing on the x-ray, but as my general rule, if it's a younger patient, they don't have any uh, joint space narrowing on the x-ray, particularly if they're active. If they're an athlete, then surgery is definitely the way to go for you know, an arthroscopy. Um, and you want to try to repair the meniscus if at all possible. Um, so if it's in that 
if the tear is in the red zone, which is the uh, the area that is attached to the capsule for the medial meniscus, um, or the red-white zone even, you know, which is just a, a bit forward of that, um, you want to try to repair it. If, if, you, if it's in that pure white zone, uh, you can't repair it and you, you trim out that tear or perform a partial meniscectomy. Um, if the patient is a bit older, uh, if they do have some degenerative changes on x-ray, then certainly attempting, at least at first, to treat the symptoms is, in my opinion, completely a reasonable thing to do. How would you do that? Um, again, just treat, simply treating their symptoms. Uh, rest, ice, compression. Um, you know, compression, in, in my case personally, I found that to be quite helpful in terms of just getting through my day just with a neoprene knee sleeve. Um, but, uh, you know, NSAIDs, if appropriate for that patient, uh, non-opioid analgesics, um, ice is very effective. Um, I love ice. Um, cortisone injections, <clears throat> intra-articular cortisone injections can be quite uh, efficacious. And then uh, after an appropriate time for conservative management. You could also introduce a little bit of PT, but I would avoid any uh, deep flexion or twisting activities. Um, but if those failed, then you could certainly uh, broach the subject of arthroscopy. So again, in, in conclusion, uh, meniscus tears are super common in orthopedic primary care, urgent care, ER settings. Knowing the anatomy, knowing the special tasks are important. Uh, getting the appropriate imaging. And if you see any degenerative changes, you don't always have to jump into arthroscopy. I will say that the caveat to that, though, is if they're having any strong mechanical symptoms, they potentially could uh, get some benefit from arthroscopy. Uh, but they may not get long-lived pain relief. So with that, I'm going to conclude. I uh, hope you guys have uh, taking some of this in, it's going to help you see uh, patients and uh, better evaluate for meniscus tears. And with that, I'll sign off. All right. I hope you enjoyed listening to today's segment as much as I did doing it. I trust that you'll find today's podcast useful in advancing your musculoskeletal knowledge. And I look forward to having you join me for the next segment of the Musculoskeletal Minute. You can find out more on our website, www.basicsofortho.com. Please visit and become a member of the community. Find, like, and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Have a great day.